Good morning. Our Bible reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. It can be found in your Red Pew Bibles on page 827, or you can have a look behind me. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Well, uh, friends, let's bow in prayer, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for uh, this uh, time together this morning, and uh, we pray that we would be nourished as we consider your word, and, uh, Father, that we would be challenged and encouraged to uh, be uh, men and women who live with Jesus as our Lord. And we pray this in his most precious name. Amen. Uh, This week, Cassie and I received an email from a dear friend who lives in the United States. In it, she lamented the ungodliness of the particular West Coast Coast state uh, in which she and her husband live. Uh, a particular part of America where um, Christian values are uh, largely being discarded and uh, where Christians say that they feel alienated, that they feel that they're not quite a, a part of the, of the society, of the, of the community, as if they don't really belong. Uh, mind you, I would have to say that the percentage of people in that part of the United States that goes to church would be higher than in any other any part of Australia, for sure. But nevertheless, I understood what she was saying and understood uh, what she was feeling. 
In fact, she said that it was so bad that the pastor of her church had made the decision to quit his job uh, in that church and to move his family to a more godly part of America, to a, a Bible Belt state where uh, he and his wife could raise their children in a far more Christianised culture. What do you think about that? You and I live in an ungodly place, don't we? Uh, we, um, we live in a, a country, we live in a society, in a community uh, where there has been a massive shift away from uh, Christian values and Christian morals. Uh, and more fundamentally, uh, we live in a society where so few people know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we feel that sometimes, don't we? You might be the only, um, only Christian in your year group at school. Uh, you might be the only Christian in your workplace or in your family or in your social group, in your neighbourhood. And sometimes there, there, are, there is an argument that um, changing our circumstances because of an ungodly environment uh, might be a helpful thing to do. I mean, I once quit a job because the job itself was an ungodly job. It was, I was required to do things which I believe were sinful. But we live in a fallen world, don't we? And as we think through this issue, understanding the nature of uh, this world, understanding who we are in Christ, and understanding the future that God has planned are really critical. Now, as we've uh, joined the Apostle Paul on his missionary journey uh, through Acts chapters 16 uh, through to 19 and 20, we ended up uh, with his uh, ministry in the city of Ephesus and his ministry to the Ephesian elders. Uh, in Ephesus, of course, that was a place where Paul spent almost three years uh, evangelizing, sharing the gospel, teaching God's word and it was a very fruitful time in Ephesus because there were many people who heard the gospel and became Christians and were now in Christ. Um, lots of different kinds of people. There were Jews, there were Gentiles, there were people who even had, in, had previously practiced sorcery were now people who were in Christ. Uh, because magic and sorcery and idolatry was rife in the city of Ephesus. And these, uh, these newly minted Christians, they lived in the shadow of the temple of the goddess Artemis. And in, in Ephesus, being a Christian um, and uh, being alienated because of that uh, meant, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, that Christians were actually dragged before a crowd of thousands and thousands of people who, who chanted and shouted uh, praise to their God, their false God, for at least a couple of hours. Hard place to be a Christian, don't you reckon? But when Paul later on wrote a letter to the churches um, in that whole region, but, um, which was centred on Ephesus, 
Uh, he didn't say that they should leave and they should go and find a more godly place to live. Rather, he helped them to understand what it means to be both in Christ and in Ephesus. Actually, uh, these are the words that we see right at the very beginning of the book. If you care to open up your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at Ephesians over the next couple of months, uh, but in Ephesians chapter 1, in verses 1 and 2, Paul introduces his letter, and let me read to you what he says. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus... Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, how does Paul address them? Uh, he says, to the saints, that is to God's people, in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. They were in Ephesus and they were in Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus and how might that help us as we seek to live in Christ in Port Macquarie? Well, in the first half of chapter 1, our passage today, the words in Christ and um, in him and in the one whom God loves, uh, they, they're like a, a ribbon which is woven through these verses. Um, check out, for example, verse 3. Paul begins by saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. What does it say? In Christ. In Christ. Now, that these verses could be translated a little bit differently. It could be translated as, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, we bless him who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. How many spiritual blessings have we received in Christ Jesus? Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Does it always seem that way to us? Uh, do you always feel that you are completely blessed spiritually? Well, sometimes we don't quite feel that way, do we? Uh, especially when life is a little bit difficult uh, or um, even when we're discouraged by the uh, god godlessness um, uh, that we um, see so much of in our own society, in our community and in our own lives. But that's why we, we need to understand what these blessings are. Because they're not every blessing in the world, they're every blessing in Christ Jesus. So what are these spiritual blessings? Well, they're all packed into verses 4 through to 14. And when I say packed in... I really, really mean packed in. There is a heck of a lot going on in these verses. In fact, Paul describes God as, as lavishing his grace upon us. Uh, lavishing his grace. It's not stingy 
It's blessing upon blessing upon blessing. It's overflowing with blessings. All in a few sentences. So let's unpack it, shall we? Firstly, in verse 4, God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God chose us. Now, in the Old Testament, who did God choose as his special people? He chose Israel. Why did he choose Israel? Was it, um, were they somehow more worthy of being chosen? More deserving than, say, the Egyptians or the Philistines? No. They were dreadful. They were terrible. And the point is that God chose Israel in order to show just how gracious he is and how it was nothing about them. It was purely his grace, his love, his mercy. And here, Paul says the same things about us, not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. God has chosen us. If we are in Christ Jesus, God has chosen us. And when did he do it? Well, he did it before the creation of the world. Um, God is not limited by time, is he? And the fact that he chose us eons ago uh, means that um, we actually had nothing to do with it. Uh, it wasn't because God saw the way that we were living and thought, oh, you know, David's a pretty good guy. I think he'll respond. I'll choose him. And Andrew's a pretty good guy. And Julia's, you know. No, God chose us before we even existed to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, I find it interesting to read, uh, read stories about children who live in orphanages in very poor countries and uh, you know, who are living in this life which really is uh, not exactly packed with much hope for the future. And then along comes a fabulously wealthy American entertainer um, worth perhaps seven, eight hundred million dollars and just chooses one of those children and just picks one of those children to be adopted as theirs to become a son or a daughter, to become a full member of the family and an heir to the fortune. Now, um, there may be other problems growing up with a movie star parent, but imagine that, from dirt poor nothingness to wealth beyond your wildest dreams. But you know, friends, God has done much more for us than that. Because his blessings are not blessings which rust and, and rot and, uh, and uh, lose value when the stock market falls. God has blessed us how he has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Which means that God's blessings are with us for all of eternity. You and I can now call the God of the universe... Father, Dad, because in verse 5, 
He predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Why would he do that? It's not because we were cute and cuddly. It's not even that we were smart enough or good enough or spiritual enough as if there's some entry test that you need to pass in order to be eligible for adoption. Because, friends, if there were, we would all fail. For we are all undeserving sinners. Now, the decision to adopt us was purely on the basis of God's good pleasure and his will. His decision. It's all about grace. Our adoption is an undeserved gift. Which in verse 6, he has freely given us in the one he loves. And who might that be? That's Jesus. So how has this adoption happened? Um, how is it possible? Uh, let's read, let me read to you from verse 7. Uh, speaking of the one God loves, Paul says, quote, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Now, what does it mean to redeem something? Well, the, um, the Christians in the Ephesian church, they had a pretty good idea about uh, redemption um, because they understood slavery. And in the Ephesian church, as we'll see when we get to the back end of Ephesians, uh, there were people who were both slaves and there were also people who were slave owners, slave masters in the same church. Now, sometimes a person might want to, um, want to save someone um, out of slavery and they had, to, they had to redeem that person. And they could do so by paying a price. If they paid the price then the slave could be redeemed out of slavery. Now, friends, in our natural state, we are all slaves. We're all slaves to sin because we don't live for God. We're in bondage to the evil one and we're destined for hell. And so what has God done about that? He has redeemed us. And what was the price? It was the price, says Paul, of the blood of of the one he loves. God has redeemed us out of slavery to sin and a future in hell by the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. But he hasn't redeemed us so that we can now just um, fend for ourselves. You know, like so many of the uh, uh, slaves who were set free after the American Civil War, set free from slavery, but then they had nowhere to go. They had no future. No, God has not redeemed us and then left us to um, to fend for ourselves. He has redeemed us and he has adopted us as members of his family, sons and daughters of the God of the universe. And in verses 9 through to 10, he has blessed us with certain knowledge. I'm going to read verses 9 and 10 because it's a bit complicated and uh, we need to um, focus our minds on it. Have a look at verse 9. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ 
to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ, or in Christ. Um, so God has a, um, uh, has, has, a, has, a, has a, a will, he has a purpose, he has a plan. When will that plan be put into effect? Well, it's when the times will have reached their fulfilment. And this is a mystery. The mystery which God has now made known to us in the gospel. What is the mystery? I remember when I first became a Christian and I understood for the first time in my life uh, what sin is. And when I understood what sin is, it was like this, this kind of wow moment because I, I thought, aha, that's why the world is in such a mess. Because we all rebel against God. And when we understand that, and we see so much sin uh, in our culture, we shouldn't be surprised, should we? Uh, when governments make laws that we find morally wrong, we might fight against it, but we shouldn't be shocked by that. And neither should we withdraw in search of a more godly place. Because firstly, sin is everywhere. Uh, secondly, Jesus came into the world to save sinners <laughs> and through, through us sharing the gospel. And thirdly, because this mystery has been revealed to us in verses 9 and 10... We know the future. In verses 9 and 10, Paul tells us that the future is when the times reach fulfilment. And when times, the times reach their fulfilment, God will, br will bring all things together under the headship of Jesus. That is, Jesus will return. Judgment will happen. And then... All things will be made new in, um, and be made right. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, uh, Peter says, We look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Now, the Ephesians, they lived in the shadow of the temple of Artemis. And Paul didn't encourage them to leave. Rather, he wanted them to understand who they are, their identity and their future, their inheritance in Christ, regardless of their background. Because in verses 11 through to 14, whether they are Jewish, like Paul was, and were the first to hear the gospel of Jesus and believe, or whether they were Gentiles, like many of them in Ephesus were, and they heard the word of truth, and they believed, and God sealed the deal by giving them the Holy Spirit, just to show that they are equally citizens of God's, uh, of God's kingdom, and equal members of the family, and equal heirs to the inheritance. This is for all people no matter who they are, in Ephesus. 
They are equal heirs to the heavenly inheritance where there will be no sin and and righteousness dwells. But how does our identity and our inheritance affect our lives now? On January the 29th, 2003, a girl named Athena Onassis Roussel celebrated her 18th birthday. 18th birthdays tend to be the big thing these days, don't they? used to be 21 when I was growing up, but now it's the 18th birthday. And uh, in one sense, it was a big day for uh, this young lady because uh, she had an inheritance. She had an inheritance which had been locked away in a trust fund since she was three years old uh, when her mother died. Her great-grandfather was a man by the name of Aristotle Anassis. Anyone heard of him? At the time of he, when he lived, he was the, one of the richest men in the world. And so uh, his great-granddaughter, uh, she'd had this inheritance that had been placed in a trust for her, which would be hers, when she turned 18. So, um, and it was quite an incredible inheritance. Uh, Luxury real estate in places like Paris and London and St. Moritz. Uh, An entire office building in Manhattan. A Greek island. I'd settle for that, wouldn't you? Greek island. Um, Lots of gold bullion, an airline, a shipping company, a chemical company, an electronics company. In fact, she inherited or she came into her inheritance of over 300 companies on that day and it just kept on rolling. There was so much wealth, so much which was now part of her belongings. On and on it rolled. Wealth upon wealth upon wealth. How do you think she felt that morning when she rolled out of bed? Well, probably not much different. I mean, she might have been looking forward to the party, but her future wealth had already defined her identity, who she was, how she lived, and what she looked forward to. It had already defined her. It had groomed her, how she was educated, Um, how she was taught to behave and what her expectations of the future were. As Christians, we also have an identity and an inheritance. Our identity is in Christ. We've been redeemed. We've been adopted as full members of the family so that we are now heirs to an eternal inheritance. It's already ours. We've received the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a deposit. It's already ours, but we haven't entered into it fully as yet. But as heirs to an internal, eternal inheritance, that inheritance, that identity and that future ought to shape our lives now. And do so in various ways. Um, If we're looking forward to heaven, if we're looking forward to the home of righteousness, then the godliness which we most 
need to be concerned about in this life is actually our own godliness and working on our own godliness, being more the people God would have us be because that is our future. But also, having a secure identity and future in Christ means that we can, um, we can have confidence uh, to live in the world, to engage with the world, but not to be like the world. So that through us, the world might hear about Jesus. Because unlike the world, we are not people who are on a quest to discover our identity. Uh, we already know our identity. Unlike the world, we're not uh, in a quest to try to make a name for ourselves or to find um, our fulfilment and our satisfaction and our joy in the things and the pleasures which don't last. Because we already have an inheritance. Uh, we know what the inheritance is. It's secure. It's for us. But we don't enter into the full possession of that inheritance until the day, as Paul says, when the times will have reached their fulfilment. We don't engage with the world in the way that the world does because that so often involves sin which accompanies that. But we are people who know that we already have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that will just be shaping the way that we live now. Let's pray, shall we? Father, um, we're just amazed by your incredible grace and love towards us that in Christ that you shower upon us blessing upon blessing upon blessing. We want to thank you, Father God, that uh, in Christ we, we have our true identity and we have our inheritance, uh, which is secure for us into the future. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, we would be people who live with that future as, as the thing which shapes our lives, that we would be looking forward to it and as we seek to live in this world, that we would live godly lives that reflect the identity and the future that we have in Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.